Thank you for joining the online ministry of New Life Fellowship. May you be blessed by the Word of God. I'm here with uh, Brother Jeff Hudiger, um, lifelong friend. Goodness, we, Jeff, you and I go back, um, I think we were just little kids. I was 12, you were nine. Is that right? Nine. And um, eight, eight or nine? You were 10. And, um, and so... Um, it mattered then yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> and so we've been together so much. We've talked and had so many conversations over the years. And um, we, wanna, we want us to have a conversation in front of you. And, and I'd like to include you, but, but uh, we, we would rather you not talk. <laughs> you can if you want. Um, tonight we're talking uh, and, and just investigating a couple of things about maybe, maybe if we could pose it as the perspective and perception. Um, one of the one of the things that we've been discussing um, is is our perception of God, and then um, our perspective of our lives. And so, you know, there are changes that we um, that we go through, and they're deliberate changes, uh, even when there's trouble, uh, conflict, which usually precipitates the change. I mean, there's you know you you don't usually change until there's, there's a reason to change. And you don't get better um, unless you're pressed to do that. Self-initiation is very difficult to do. It's short-lived. We're, gonna, we're about to hit this January 1 and a lot of New Year's resolutions, which will be dead by January 1. Yeah. <laughs> They're over. And we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to have a new diet plan. And we're going to read all these books. We're going to stack them up. We're going to do all that. We're going to be, 2023 is going to be a wonderful thing. Someone just sent me their new uh, logo. And it's be free in 23. (laughs) These things rarely work out. The last time someone sent me that was 2020, a new perspective. Because this 2020 is, you know, perfect vision. And then March came around and everything was obscure and blurred. No one knew uh, what, to, what to do. So I, I don't take much stock in that. Probably if you say 23, we're all going to be free. That means everyone's going to end up being bound. So let's not say that. <laughs> the Lord has brought you so far. And, and for me too. We've been... If we would go back, we would never believe as kids we would be sitting here. Um, I'd have thought you'd have been in jail by now, but um, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Probably should have been. (laughs) No. Um, But even in just the last few years, you know, 10 or so years, um, I want you to talk about the changes and how that came about, your self-perception, and then how that translated into... God perspective. So I remember um, we were living in St. Louis. The housing market had crashed. Uh, I had taken over a brand new restaurant surrounded by brand new homes and with a primarily bonus-based income. 
I was not doing well, and we had gotten into a spot where we had to move. Um, I was in the back of, of a Sonic drive-in. Um, I regularly would talk to Scott and ask him for help and, you know, bounce ideas off of him. And he was telling me, just pray, talk to God and ask him what you should do, wh- where you should go, and he'll tell you. And I, I, don't, I said, I don't believe that that's the case. Not because God won't speak. I just don't believe that I'll hear him. I don't believe that I'm in a spot to listen. I kind of uh, liken it to groping in the darkness. I had a bedroom, no windows, and I would get lost. I got up one night and got lost in my bedroom, couldn't find my way out. Ended up in the closet three or four times, and you'd think you would be able to turn the other direction and go, and I would end up in the closet again. I was groping, and that's how I was spiritually. I just wasn't, I wasn't in a spot where I thought I could hear what God would say. And so we ended up in Terre Haute. Um, we ended up moving here. And, but I, I was uh, what I would categorize as a realist. You know, yes, you I, I'm like, this is what it is. And I would say something, and I, I remember, I was talking to Pastor about this the other day, I, was, I remember that I would say to Sister Tammy or, or around her, um, I would make some comment, and she would, you know, no, we're not going to be negative. We're not going to be negative. And I would respond, I'm not trying to be negative, I'm just being realistic. I'm just, you know, saying what it is. So I never really understood. I I honestly walked around thinking you guys just expected everybody to just be like, there are no problems, you know, there's not anything wrong. We're just going to be happy. Oh, everything's good. And and, and it's not necessarily always good, you know. So um, I was at work one day, and... I had been walking around with a perpetual scowl on my face probably, I don't know how long. Long enough that it was giving me a headache. I was just like this, scowling constantly, angry, frustrated, uh, irritated. Mostly that I wasn't right, right here, is what it really boils down to, if I'm going to be honest. But just every little thing. And I was um, loading trash and... I was angry, and I was frustrated, and I was just exhausted by it, and I just sat back in my loader, and I said, I am so tired of this, and then I said, didn't feel this at all, I said, this is the day that the Lord hath made, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and nothing changed. Amen. Praise God. I, I didn't have any goosebumps. I didn't have a warmth feeling from the top of my, nothing. I didn't get a pay raise. My bank account didn't change. Nothing changed. Um, and I don't know. I, 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 three minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, I realized that I was in the best mood that I had been in, in months. That I, it just I spoke this word that I didn't even really believe and I didn't know what else to do. And I just said this thing and I didn't feel anything change, but then I noticed that it had changed. And so this got me kind of on, you know, there's all these pieces of my life. Um, your dad would preach about Jesus calling Peter to be a disciple. And I, I think in word pictures, and so I didn't really know, that, that didn't make sense to me. What would cause a man, my dad was about the same age as Peter would have been. So in my mind, as a 10, 11, 12-year-old, I'm thinking, what would cause someone to be able to walk into Robert Hudiger's garage where he works on cars and say, 
I want you to be my disciple. Come and follow me. And him just drop the wrench on the ground and walk out and say, here we go. You know, I just I couldn't comprehend that. I couldn't wrap my head around it. Over time, as, as, as life goes on and you learn more things and you get more understanding, we're taught that in, in Western culture, we say God is sweet like honey, sweeter than honey. In, in Jewish culture, they give their kids honey and then say, this is what God tastes like. Okay? And so they, they cook steak, which interestingly is very similar to when they sacrifice a, a, a burnt offering. And that scent, that aroma, they say, this is what God smells like. Because they're trying to teach their children to be thinking about God all the time. And so... Uh, these children would go to a synagogue. They'd go to synagogue with the rabbi, and they would be taught until they were 13. And at 13, the rabbi would say, you're a great student. I enjoyed having you. Go be, uh, you know, go learn your family trade. Go learn your family business. And they would go around the room, and then they'd get to maybe, you know, this one person. They would say, I see something different in you. I see the ability for you to do what I do. I want you to be my disciple. I want you to follow me, and I'm going to demonstrate for you, and you're going to do what I do. And so when Jesus was calling Peter, so now it starts to make sense. At, at 10, 11, it didn't make sense to me. But now, understanding Peter's culture, when Jesus said, I want you to be my disciple, that was a, a, a prestigious position in their culture, in their society. And so Jesus uh, calls Peter to be a disciple, and he says, Peter, what, what I can do, you can do. I believe you can do what I can do. And so... Uh, I was thinking while Pastor Shock was preaching a few weeks ago about uh, harvest disruption. And he was going through all the miracles that Jesus had done. And how did Jesus do those miracles? Well, some of them he did, like make mud. But Lazarus, he said, he spoke to him, come forth. Uh, the demons, uh, the man in Gadarene, he said, he cast them out with his voice. And so uh, Jesus used his voice. And then he said, Peter, I believe you can do what I can do. If you go back to creation, how did God create the world? He said... He spoke things into existence. He used his voice. He spoke. And then he made us like him. And then Jesus called us to be his disciples and said, what I can do, you can do. And he uses his voice to do that with. And then you look at James, where it talks about the ship, huge ship, and it's controlled by the rudder, and and it goes wherever the rudder tells it, very small part in relationship to the overall, and the ship goes that way. And so, you know... uh, the horse, the bridle on the horse's tongue guides the horse. And then when we get the Holy Ghost, we speak in other tongues. That's the piece that God chose to say, this is how I'm going to prove to you. This is how you're going to know. You know, well, you're a good person. Okay, you can be a good person and not have the Holy Ghost. Well, you won't lie anymore. I don't know that that's 100% true. You can still choose to sin, but there are people that don't have the Holy Ghost who don't lie. So what is the one thing that we know for a fact that you have the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's our tongue. So all these pieces start coming together for me in an understanding that I'm created like him. He made me in his image. He spoke things into existence. Jesus, when he did miracles, used his mouth. He spoke to them and they happened. And he made me like him. He called me to be his disciple. He said, you can do what I can do. And so I begin to realize what Sister Tammy was trying to say to me, that I can speak things and they happen. They become that way. And so... And you thought, and you, you thought that it was okay because you were being a realist. Yes. And, and, and I want you to continue, but, I, but you know that this, there's, 
everyone gives themselves an excuse. Mm-hmm. And so that's, an, that's one of the excuses. Right. Well, I'm just realistic. Right. You know, and it really, um, that, that realist, they, they don't know how much they're hurting themselves because this is a, it's kind of a flip. It's flipped. It becomes the reality because of what they have said. Mm-hmm. So because of what they've said, it creates the reality in which they're living. Right. In fact, the reality doesn't come before the word. The word comes before reality. Right. So if you would say it, then you'll experience it. And so that's, that's the part of creation. And we all do that every day. We learn that from many different people. The part that's crazy is we can do that either direction. Yes. You know, just because you're not having a good time, just don't sit. Pastor says it all the time in the book of Proverbs. The fool appears to be more intelligent just by keeping his mouth shut. You so, could be a fool, but if you don't say anything, no one will know. Right. And so I think maybe not exactly the right application, but well, the I, same thing is true. That was really just kind of expanding on it. Right. Thought. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying sometimes when it comes to what we speak and those things becoming how it is, maybe we could just keep our mouth shut sometimes and it would just get better just by that. But um, just, just because it's true that you have a flat tire, you don't have to sit there and, you know, carry on about how bad your day is. That's, that's the point, you know, have a flat tire, but still rejoice in the day that the Lord has made and, and be glad in the fact that, you know, I'm happy that I got a flat tire. Am I praising the Lord that I got a flat tire? Maybe, maybe not, not necessarily, but I can still rejoice in the Lord in spite of the fact that I have a flat tire. Amen. And what I say with my mouth, he's the one that made it this way. What I say with my mouth can impact my day. I can say, this is going to be a horrible day. Or I can say, you know what? This is a thing that's inconvenient to me, but I'm going to rejoice in the Lord and, and be glad in this day, in this situation. So when so. she said, we're not going to talk like that, at yes. first, that was not, you didn't receive that. I didn't understand that, and I, no, I didn't. I was very much like, you know, you just want me to act like everything's perfect and everything's not perfect. Mm-hmm. That was my perspective. That was, that was my perception. I was like, things aren't perfect, so why should I go around saying, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to talk negative. I'm not trying to talk negative. I'm just trying to say this is a thing that I don't like. Uh, you know, it's just a bad situation or whatever. And I didn't understand what she was trying to say. And then, and I don't put that on her at all. Well, but. well, there, there, there is a point to this though, that, um, and this is an old analogy, but, but someone made the analogy years ago. People are either a thermometer or a thermostat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thermometer um, tells you what's happening in the room. The thermostat sets the temperature. Right. And I think that Spirits and attitudes and dispositions, especially words and creation, those are the things that set the mode. So, especially for people who who claim uh, Christ as their savior, Christianity, um, Christianity is is um, has been redefined over the last few years. But perception uh, is very very important, and I think that that we all have issues, we all have problems. But if we if we if we always expand on those or expound on them or make them larger or speak about them. We don't solve them. We just bury ourselves in that. And so it's not ignoring, um, it's not ignoring the reality. Right. But if I get, if I'm always 
looking at the reality, then I get stuck in the mire of my own making. I cannot get up every day and read um, and read the internet. I cannot. I cannot read. I cannot watch all the news because it is an emotional. And all news, I think, is now emotional. They're not. They're not giving you information. They're selling you emotion. And so usually that emotion makes me angry, it, 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 or it makes me frustrated. Uh, good news doesn't sell. And we know right. this. We know this for many years. So I have to decide how my um, my atmosphere is going to be, and I and I have to do that because wherever I'm going, I represent something higher than me. I do want to just um, point back to the scripture. Um, there is a, our self perception uh, and our perspective of God are intertwined. God promised a son. Sarah laughed. Abraham was old. Sarah laughed. God uh, spoke a word to Elizabeth and her husband laughed. Of course, he was, he couldn't talk. God closed his mouth until the time that the baby came and he wrote what his name would be, John. Then he got to speak again. Um, because, you know, he didn't think that his wife could have a baby, and, and uh, Sarah didn't think that. And if you look down to the 12 tribes, well, an angel comes to Gideon and says, thou mighty man of valor, and Gideon is a realist. Mm-hmm. He's, he's what you were. He's a realist. And he says, well, if the Lord's for us, why am I in this, why I'm in this wine press? Of course, when you're, when you're, when you're grinding um, uh, um, Wheat, when you're, when, you're, when you're making bread, you need, a, you need a wind to blow away the chaff. Well, he's in a big wine vat where there's no wind. He says, I come from, of all the 12 tribes, my tribe is the least. And of my tribe, I'm the least. That's realistic. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm pressing. I'm, I'm in a wine press. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get enough grain to make some bread. If I make the bread, it's going to have chaff in it. And you calling me a mighty man of valor. So you talk about a realist. Well, Gideon was the ultimate realist. But he did not have a God uh, perspective. Yeah, he was, he was just looking at him, his ability, trying to right. figure it out on his own. So if you have a flat tire and your steps are over the Lord, he might have saved you from something worse. He might have kept you from something, but you, did, you never got there. Or, because or you he, might have just not put tires on your car. <laughs> but either way, you can still change your perspective. That's right. Well, well, I think there's a reality that we're living today that's not uh, the reality that we could be living. Mm-hmm. We're in this church, mm-hmm. but there's a reality that, that, that has not come our way. Mm-hmm. And things, we're not thankful for everything. Because we don't know everything. If we knew what God kept us from, mm-hmm. we would be running around this whole building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> o king, O king, Darius, O king. Guess what did not happen last night? Well, they rolled the stone back. There's all the lions there. They're just laying on the ground. The Lord closed the mouth of the lions. And Daniel spent a night in the lion's den. And his testimony was, let me just tell you what didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> We don't know what didn't happen. We're usually just stuck in the reality of what's happening right now, but we don't know what God kept us from. We we don't have no idea. There's a reality, and so our thankfulness, our attitudes, and the words we say Mm -hmm. are often derived from our present situation. 
And that's sad because our present situation does not reveal all of the many things that God has done for us. And he's doing things for us right now that we don't know. I was just talking about this, um, um, and, and I didn't create this, but, but this was given. Brother David Smith spoke about this years ago, and it really got into my spirit. He said there's a difference between a miracle and a healing, and I've heard many ministers now talk about it. Now I'm talking about it as if it was my own. I'm not going to quote him. <laughs> I made this up. No, I didn't. Uh, the, the healing is progressive. The miracle is instant. Right. Now, I don't know. It, it, we might be parsing words here. But it's okay. If this is the case, then the miracle is, you know, you pray and, and all of a sudden the thing that you were dealing with is gone. The tumor falls off. The, the addiction is suddenly gone, everything. Healing could be that over time you become different or you are healed over time. Mm-hmm. And I have made this challenge many times to many people. Give me five years. I just made this statement to someone today. Give me 104 consecutive Sundays. You won't be the same person that you were because you're saturated. And when you put that cucumber into the solution, into the vinegar, that acidic environment changes the constitution of the cucumber and becomes a pickle. It is the saturation. And one of the things I think... Jeffrey, that we've experienced is that the more that we're in the presence of God, the more we're changed. But it also has to be by choice too, mm-hmm. right? Right. So, and that's kind of the, where I was coming from. The point that I was making is uh, I was only looking at my circumstances, only looking at my resources, not believing that God was able to overcompensate for, for me, not, not, not be able to to take care of the things that I was doing wrong. I'm talking about choices that I made that weren't right. And yet, how is he going to, you know, the Bible says it, but, you know, all things work together for the good. But not the things that I've messed up, right? Those things can't work together for good, can they? Um, so, you know, I, I just, I'm going through all of this time of not being realistic. I'm Gideon. I'm not a mighty man of valor. I don't know who you're talking to. Because I'm just looking at me and my situation, and I have this realistic perspective. And then I begin to see where God is showing me that what I speak, I can change my, pers- my situation over time. As you're saying, a healing began to take place in my life where things didn't change for me immediately that day when I got that realization and just said, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. But over time, things begin to change. Yeah. Over time of trying and failing and trying again and not always getting it right, but continuing to try, to not be so caught up in what I can see and my surroundings and more about whose I am and who he is and what he can do and I look back from now, I look backward to 2010 when we moved here, and I, and I can't believe where I am today, here, here, 
in my mind and my heart. I can't believe where I am compared to where I came from. Because it didn't just happen overnight. It was a progression. It was a change in my thought process. It was a change in my behavior. And so I want to be careful and I want to be clear not to suggest or make anyone believe that you can just say money in my bank account and that's going to happen. You know, that's not the point that I'm trying to make or that pastor's trying to make. But you can say rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And there's power in you saying that, right? So, you know, you're not going to just be able to like, you know, brand new car in the driveway. It doesn't work that way. You know, my husband's more attractive. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) He probably looks great already. But this is not what happens. But what can happen is you can say, I will not be conformed to this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Renew my mind, Lord. How do I do that? By, uh, by, by your word. Wash my mind with your word. So these are things that we can say in our situations, in our circumstances. Rejoice. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. In what? In whatever it is. In whatever the situation is, we can still rejoice and be glad in it and and those things make a difference i'm reminded also pastor uh about a youth convention a youth congress uh probably six years ago now it was in oklahoma city and brother lee stone king was there and he started speaking about how that scientists have proven that when you yell your voice the human voice shreds the air in front of your mouth. And he said, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. So I believe if we would all yell and 20 some plus thousand young people and chaperones just immediately, he didn't get to finish. We just, everybody just started yelling and we had like a crazy worship time. But adding that to this other part that we have power in our voice and if we would align what we say with God's word, with God's principles, with who God is, with what he's capable of, that it can change sometimes Amen. immediately. Amen. You know, it, we've talked about this. Pastor said it. Sometimes you have word, time for a one-word prayer. Jesus! That's all you have time for. Yeah. And that can change instantly what your reality is. Yes. And then other times it's, uh, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I love that. Harold Hoffman said that. Make a joyful noise. What is it when you make something? You manufacture it. So manufacture a joyful noise. Amen. You know, with whatever you have, just make a joyful noise out of it. So uh, that's the other piece is that it's, it's an understanding, not that I just, it's not name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. It's, I can alter over time, just like he created the worlds with his voice, just like Jesus healed people with his voice, I can change the course of my life with my voice by speaking what, what his word says and what truths that we know about who God is. I, I don't know that we're protecting um, our words like we should. Mm. I'm concerned about that. We're talking about it now, but in our daily lives it's easy to fall back into that it is. Um, a poor mouth, poor me, Eeyore type, type uh, mentality, you mm-hmm. know. 
You remember Eeyore, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He wasn't woke. But he was negative. Uh, and uh, and he, he was very, um, this thing would poor me. Mm -hmm. And that poor me mentality also is, is, a, is, a, is a result of, of that realistic thought. It might even not be realistic, but we create the reality. Mm -hmm. I do want to uh, cover this with you, uh, Jeffrey. This, this um, conversation leads to the perspective of God. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately when people come to church and they whatever church it is, um, they, have a, they have a perception of God and that, that based upon their actions, something will change in their lives. Now, something does change in their lives. There's a, mm -hmm. there's a, 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 a weighty things uh, change. However, um, there, there are tragedies. Right. There are tragedies. I wrote this down um, a few years ago, and, and I started to challenge... Every song that we used to sing and every, you know, cliche that we used to hear, it wasn't because I wanted to pick apart everything we used to do, but I found some beautiful things that we've forgotten that we need to pick back up. Um, I found some songs that we're no longer singing. We used, some of the songs were, you know, they were time capsule songs. The Royal Telephone is a time capsule. You know, Jesus is, the, Central's never, the word goes, Central is never busy. Who remembers Central's never busy? Well, uh, that doesn't make any sense today. Your kids have no clue what that the means. The Royal Telephone. Uh, it, 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 there's things that, that, the songs there, there were time capsules. Right. They were okay for the moment. But there were other songs that were pertaining to him. It was, a, it was a glorification of him. And then songs became about me, the me songs, you know, how I felt about him or how I felt about our day. And so those became centristic songs. They, they're egocentric. They're songs about us. Um, and they became like manufacturers. They were, they were manufactured by the dozens at a time. Had a certain part in them and all that. I went back to look at some of these things that, that we grew up with, and some of them were some of them were phenomenal, and some of them kind of messed us up a little bit. And even songs we've sung here in our church, and we might I want to sing them again, but I want to put them in the right perspective, uh, because when we're going through trouble, we can often blame God, or we can have the wrong perception. I'll give you a couple of examples. The towers fall; three thousand people die. A man gets up and says, bless God, none of our church people, none of the Pentecostals died in that fire. So see how God uh, saved us. Um, a, a massive building falls in Miami. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting, I want to say 126 people died. Uh, and someone says the same thing. As if, because you are born again of the water and spirit, that you're never going to have any issues. That's a lie. So we're going to boast? I would have rather 3,000 saved people died than 3,000 people that were not baptized in the only saving name according to Acts 4.12 die. So we've got this really messed up. We have this, and then if something does happen that's wrong, here's our first response. I've been living for God all this time. How could the Lord allow this to happen to me? Now this perspective, I'm, I'm really right back with Gideon because he's, he's poor-mouthing himself and he's saying, well, if you're the Lord, if you're so great, why did, why did you allow this to happen? 
Well, there's a lot of reasons why those things happen. Most, mostly it's because the people were disobedient a long time prior. They were disobedient a long time prior. The Amalekites could have been wiped out, but Saul was disobedient. And he said to the prophet, I kept the best of the flock, the best of the lambs. I kept Agog, the king. He kept some of the Amalekites. They rose up again to be a thorn in the side of, of, uh, of Israel. So we have a misperception of God. In fact, we think that God is an ever-present help in time of trouble, and that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. But I've heard that quoted, misquoted, all of my life. We sing, he's an on-time God. He's never early, he's never late. What we've just done is we put God in our time and in our experience and he is not right he's already the omega right he he's already the ending right he's already before the beginning (laughs) the bible says he's an ever-present help in trouble not in the time of trouble now i'm once again i'm kind of pulling little things apart here and, and and sunday come sunday i'll probably misquote it and we'll just shout and forget it and we're probably going to sing he's an on-time God. So, so what? I just want you to know that we get, we get these things messed up a little bit because we want God to be in our day. And we're wondering, where is God? Well, he's at the ending. He's at the beginning. And he's beyond both the beginning and the ending. So this is a problem especially for the people that are saved because we go through issues and we're wondering, well, where is the Lord? Well, why does that guy get to succeed? Or why are they blessed? They live abhorrent lives and I'm trying. Well, because God cares more about your eternity than about your right. present. Right, right. Just like so so I'll, just, I'll go down this road and come right back, but you may never get back, but I'll... I'll so... The, the whole concept of predestination has been, has been dissected a thousand million times over predestination. There's a church that's predestined, but not the specific person. Right. So the reason why we don't understand that, that even the prophetic word said that there would be one, Judas. We found out that it was Judas. It'd be, the Bible says it was better that he never was born. Right. There was a prophecy. This was a prophetic word. So was Judas predestined to betray Jesus? Was he forced? No. See, we think prophecy is spoken before it happens. But you got to remember, who is given the word of prophecy? God is given the word of prophecy. He's at the ending. So the way I'm looking at it, God is telling you, yeah, I've I've been standing at the ending. He, He did have a choice but the prophetic word that was spoken way back there, it was fulfilled way up here. I've been at the end all this time waiting for all of you to catch up. Right. You're not predestined to go to hell and you're not predestined to go to heaven, but there will be a church. Right. So you've got to understand your perspective of God has to change. Right. Now he's not late. He's not early. What are you talking about? He's not late. He is. He was there when you didn't think he was there. And he was there after you thought he was gone. (laughs) 
Oh, no. Our thought, and because of that misperception of God, we get frustrated and say, well, Lord, why is my life, why why am I working like this? Why is this happening to me? Well, Well, part of that is because we don't recognize that he is the all in all, that God is over all things. In fact, he is above all and through all and in you all. There is one God and Father. There is one. And he is all-encompassing God. So we've got to have our perception a little differently. I don't want to tell you this to discourage you. You will become ill. You will lose your health. You will have trouble. I'm not talking about stubbing your toe. I'm talking about you will eventually lose your faculties. You'll eventually deteriorate. Because sin entered the world. Right. And you can be saved and you can be sick. Right. But at the end, all that's going to matter is if you're lost or if you're found. Right. If your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that's the most important thing. So don't get discouraged if you come down with something that's not curable. Right. Just say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I'm not getting better I'm praying that the Lord will heal me and the Lord can heal you. There can right. be a miracle. But at the same time, just know I, I have something beyond this place. If we did not believe that, mm-hmm. they were all going to get depressed. Right. The problem is we're living in time. We're living in this moment. We're right. looking around. You're angry. You're, you're, you're frustrated. You're, you're being a realist. Well, you have a very limited perception of God. And that has to change over time. That has to change. There has to be a revelation in you. Right. You want to pick up there? So, I mean, I'm, I'm just, but I, 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 as, we're, as we were discussing this earlier, I think one of the problems that, that the modern day church has is that we are really driven. Man, I don't want to get down this road too far, but we're, we're really driven by what we feel and emotion mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. things and and stuff and and we value we we think god values us based upon how good we're doing financially or right. or what we have Th- this is such a that is a secular carnal concept mm-hmm. um uh and we and we take great pride in in things and we don't even realize uh, how insignificant they are and especially insignificant insignificant to god do you really think that God is more, do you, do you think that God really cares about you less when you go through trouble? No, he cares about you just the same. But I do want, I do want to go back to the Romans 8.28. I do think that because this is, a, this is a big problem we have. All things are work together for my good. They're all going to work together. No, they're not. They're not going to work together for your good if you're doing bad. Right. You know, I know I'm lost in sin. It's all going to work out. I know I'm having an affair, but it's going to work out. No, it's not. You're lost in sin. You cannot apply the word your life if you want to have an adulterous relationship. It's not working. No, because you don't get to apply a holy scripture while you are a cheat. <laughs> while you are a liar. Ain't nobody saying amen now. While you are... <laughs> No, you don't get to, you, you don't, all things are going to work together for good. To them that love God, mm-hmm. 
Now, if you love God, how do you love God? With all your heart, soul, body, strength. That means you can't love the world. You can't love the world and love God at the same time. You can't serve two masters. So the prerequisite, the prerequisite for all things working for your good is, number one, to them that love God. How do you love God? If you say, I love sherbet ice cream, you need to stop saying that. We have too many loves and too many hates. I hate the devil. But no, I don't hate bell peppers. I, I do not like bell peppers. Right. I don't like them. I'm not a fan of bell peppers. Did you know that? I didn't like bell peppers. I didn't know that. Beets, maybe one. I can't, I can't really do that. But bell peppers. Can we talk about bell peppers? I don't like them. But we, we use hate, love, and hate too often. I love God. Right. I don't love a car. It's a car. You love the car when it's brand new until someone backs into you. And then it's not the love, you know, after the love is gone. I can sing a whole bunch of 80 songs now. <laughs> so, so you lost the love and feeling. That's another good one. Um, this, is the, this is the problem. You will go through trouble. You're going to go through heartache and you're right. going to go through pain. That does not mean that God's not good to you. Right. And people will die in a car accident, in a fire But that does not mean that God was judging them. Very careful, ladies and gentlemen. There will be a judgment at the end. And there can be a judgment in the middle. You don't want either. (laughs) I think it's important Mm -hmm. that we keep in mind. uh, It's kind of like, you know, what what we think is going on and what God thinks is going on. And they're not always, we're not always together. I think it's fascinating in the word of God how often he uses the natural to make a spiritual point. But he is 100% playing a spiritual game. He's, he's not playing the natural game. And, but we base whether we're blessed, whether God's good, by the natural stuff. We say, well, I've got more stuff, so God's blessing me. And that may not be true. I mean, I'm not saying it's not. I want to be blessed in that way. But much more, I would rather make it to heaven. Much more I'd rather win in that game. And I think that's the game that he's, you know, what, uh, where is it? Is it in James? Your life is but a vapor. Is it in James? I don't know. Are, are, this, don't fear what man can do to this body. Don't fear what can happen to, to this, to our flesh. But that's hard for us, I know. That's probably not real popular preaching, not real popular teaching when people say that kind of stuff. But, well, the word in general is not popular. The scripture right. is not right. pop. The, the Bible is not a popular book in, in, in churches today. It is not. That's why we have story time in a lot of our churches. Commentaries about commentaries. Mm. Chicken soup for the soul. <laughs> Give me a break. If you read the Bible, it will convict you. It will change you. It will disturb you. In fact, let's just set this straight. Jesus never said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He didn't say that. He never said the truth will set you free. That's not in your Bible. It says the truth will make you free. Setting you free is like a bird in a cage. It's the judge saying, you know what? You're good. I'm setting you free. It will make you free. Jesus said it will make you. It grinds off those rough spots. It, it changes the way. It molds you. The truth makes you. It, it forms you. It's not, truth is not pleasant because truth, pure truth of God is, it stands in defiance of my own nature. Right. And my nature is not a good nature. 
My nature is a fleshly nature. And only thing that can combat that is the light of truth in me. So when we read the scripture, the scripture actually, uh, it actually convicts us. It confronts us. Right. And, and, it, and the scripture will give us a new perspective. Let, let's go back to the stuff thing, this, this blessing. How interesting it is. Um, God allows people to go through trouble. He allows them to go through trouble. Sometimes he does it as a witness to the unbeliever. The challenge, the, the book of Job is the oldest written book in the Bible. And, and the sons of men, the sons of God, rather, come before the Lord at a certain time. This is a very interesting. We, we, we have no idea how this is working out. It's some kind of spiritual realm. And Lucifer is there. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? God says that. And, and, and Lucifer says, well, listen, the only reason why he loves you is because you got a hedge of protection around him. He is wealthy, rich, got it all together. And so the challenge was, if you remove the hedge, he will not be the same man. Can the removal of your stuff expose your character? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you serve God and love God because of your stuff, then... You never really loved God in the first place. Uh-oh. So, so God allowed Satan to torment Job but not kill him. He did everything. All of his children died in a single day. And that was the worst that could ever happen to him. All of his servants died in a single day. And that was the worst that could ever. In fact, Lucifer, the devil did everything he could and to torment him, mm-hmm. all of his flocks, all of his life, everything. And just to torment him further, he kept his wife alive. <laughs> well, it is in the Bible. I threw that in there. But <laughs> Jesus. And she said, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you curse God and die? And he said, you talk like a foolish woman. And, and he had to go through a series of, in fact, the whole book of Job is an argument where his friends are supposedly giving him advice and they're, they're way off to. None of them understand God. So I would just say, in this realm of perspective, we, we do not know what's going on in the heavenlies. And I don't want to cast any fear on the church. Right. Because, or that you're going to go through some issue. But I do want to have a perspective. And it leads me, it leads us, uh, Jeffrey, to the end time. What happens in America. And, and, and our end times. I think we're living in the end times today. Um, this is not... Uh, when we were kids, this is far from when we were kids. We didn't even know what we were doing, and and but it was a different day, wasn't it? It was. And and now we're looking at we're looking at something we've never seen before. The world has never seen it before. And we love our country. We we love that God has given us this freedom for our country, and we want to do the best. In fact, I think I talked to Pastor Stark today. He said to me, he said. 
he believes there's going to be a powerful, sudden infilling in our churches, and then the Lord's going to come back. Hmm. It's going to be a quick thing, and then God's going to come back. The trumpet's going to sound. Hmm. And that, man, I'll tell you what, the Holy Ghost fell in my office while he was talking to me about that today. And 40 minutes later, when we hung up the phone, uh, we were just talking scripture, but it was a powerful thing. I think we got to get our perception and our perspective right. Tell me how you do that with your, your family and the people around you now if you feel like maybe they have the wrong perspective, even people that you meet or friends, that they don't recognize what they're saying and they don't recognize maybe what God has done. How do you address that? Uh, Jeffrey, how do you address this uh, uh, just in, in normal conversation? So, it flies in the face of our current culture, but just a reminder, a reckoning, I don't know, I mean, this kind of, it's concerning to me to even say it, but just a realization that everything, every day, every part of our lives and what we measure success by when it's a good day, when it's a bad day, all of those things are in his control. They're in his hands. And I'll talk about me. When I get mad, I, depending on how long I want to waste my time, um, will fuss and cuss and just just figuratively, right? Figuratively, yes. Don't don't say cuss. Don't say. Cuss. Okay, sorry. It rhymes. So don't don't say. That. Okay. So anyway, I fuss, <laughs> and the, but then eventually I come to realize that if I'm angry about something, it really comes down to that I'm not trusting that God has this. All right. All right. It comes down to that I'm somehow equating the good or the bad that's going on with with a relationship with a God who he he sees the end and he knows the end from the beginning and he already knows how it's going to end out end up and and if I could uh, my I'm sorry my kids hate hearing this because I say it to them all the time if I could surrender my rights. If I could give up the things that I think are so important and say, God, whatever you have for me in this situation, I'm okay with that. It's not popular, and it's not always easy. And sometimes, I'll tell you how you know when you haven't succeeded in this quest, if you choose to start living your life this way, is if you're still upset. (laughs) If you're still upset, then you just have to do it again and keep doing it again until you get it right. So... You know, we say these things, but then we don't live like we believe this. You know, everything that I have is his. And then we get mad at the guy who cuts us off in traffic or, or, or that backs into our car and messes our car up. And it's like, okay, well, was it really God's car or not? Do we really trust him? Does he really have it? Or how about the weightier matters, my health? My life, you know? Am I trusting him? That, am, I, am I doing Daniel chapter 3? I'm not careful to answer you. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, you know, if it so, if it be so, our God can deliver us from the fiery furnace. Yes, He can do that. 
Well, I know he's able. I believe he's able. And I, and I believe he wants the best for me. But if he doesn't choose to spare me from going through the fiery furnace, be it known, O king, that I didn't serve you and my God still delivered me. You know, so you fill in the blanks of, of whatever situation. I, I, I want to be sensitive. I don't want to be uh, insensitive to people's feelings or whatever, but I'm not careful to answer you, cancer. If it be so, God's able to deliver me. Okay, so, so finish this out for us uh, tonight. Uh, finish this scripture out here. And so I'm reading it just from the Bible. I, I can quote it, but I'm reading it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. We've covered a little bit of that. Here's the second requirement. So finish this one. To them, here's the second, to them who are called according to his purpose. So you might have to delineate our purpose and his purpose. And then if, if those things are in alignment, that we love God and we're called according to his purpose, then we get to rely upon the first stanza and we know that all things work together. Right. So, absolutely. His purpose. What is his purpose? All right. And, 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 of course, we're all called according to his purpose. But what is it? We get stuck on our purpose. Mm-hmm. And then things don't go well. And then we have anger. We have frustration. We have uh, anxiety. We're worried about the, the future. And I just, what I say to people, what my point to, to them is to, Keep in mind that he's bigger than we are. Uh, he, you know, when I fall, I fall in his hand. I don't fall away from God as long as I'm still trying to love him. I'm still trying to live for him. I think it's a fascinating concept that we have sometimes that we have to pray and ask God to come. Come help us. Come be with us. Come meet this need. And in fact, he's already here. He's already with you. We don't have to wait for him to come. He's, he's present with us. So, uh, you know, in all, in all, what it boils down to is keeping our focus on who God is and what God is, redirecting our thoughts, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, you know, whatsoever man thinketh, so is he. So, Thinking about the goodness of God, thinking about the greatness of God, the ability of God, and the fact that my temporal things are not the end goal. Mm-hmm. That's not the end game. You know, I, I, as we go through this tonight, and I, I know we only have maybe a few more minutes left, but I do want to just kind of end on this topic. Most of what we're talking about here is, it pertains to the modern day church, um, we are uh, we are far from the first century church. In fact, we're we're very very far from from the first church because we think about things differently. Now, part of that is, you know, I'll give ourselves a little bit of a pass. We are Americans, after all. We're the only country in the world that actually has free speech. I mean, if you've been, if if, if someone tells you that other countries have free speech, that that's a lie. They, they, they do not. And in fact, in America, we have, we have more freedoms than, than any of the nations in the whole world. And most all of the nations that ever existed. Um, the early church didn't think about the things that we think about. In fact, in Jerusalem, the oppression had got to a certain point that even at the end of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they had all things common. 
Now, they had all things common. There were some things that they were doing. Sometimes they would sell, share. They were, you know, even food, uh, provisions, things that they needed. They helped each other out. Um, They thought of things differently. Even when Paul was writing, he didn't even tell the church to treat every widow the same. We, we don't even know this. We think, well, pure and undefiled religion is to, is to help the widows and the fatherless. Except there's some, there's some, there's some, um, there's some other words in there too. You, you didn't read it. Because Paul also said, oh, by the way, if she's young, she takes care of herself. If she has family in the church, they take care of her, not the body. So if you start reading all the scripture, you'll find out, wait a second. If her husband dies and she has a family... Her burden is not for the whole church, it's for her family. And so they thought differently than we think today. In fact, there was, there was offerings given for specific churches abroad and, and where it went because they were struggling. The American mind doesn't think that way. Most of the things we're talking about are our perceptions and our feelings and how we're dealing with, with issues. But there was a people when they first started, they were willing to lay down their life for the cause of Jesus Christ. They would die. They would be stoned. We, we don't want someone to say something ugly to us. Right. Or we're suddenly offended. We're persecuted. Let me just tell everybody. We don't understand even what the word persecution means. We've defined it according to our American mindset. We don't know what struggling means. Because we defined it according to our American modern mindset. We don't know. We really don't even know what being hungry means. But if you read the scripture, this is what they, they experienced that. And part of what they experienced allowed them to propagate the gospel. Here's what's happening today. We're feeling our perspective of God. Well, God, you didn't call me. Well, God, you didn't empower me. He did empower you. And in the early church, there were no professional Soul winners, for instance. And when they went through trouble, even Paul said, I glory in my, my affliction. I'm, this is, you know, I'm, I want everyone to know. He was, he was teaching that while you're going through persecution and trouble and trials and pain and conflict, most of which we have no relationship with, that you can still rejoice in the Lord. It was still the day that the Lord, had, they still had a job to do. He was in prison many times and was still a witness for the kingdom. In fact, at the end of Paul's life, when they said, what do you want us to bring you? I'd like to have my coat. It's cold. But if you don't have room, just bring the parchment and my writing tool. I'd rather be cold and write in this prison. Now, history says, historically speaking, that they changed the guards in front of Paul's prison cell or where he was being held rapidly because he would witness to them and he was converting them over and over again. They had to change them out. Those guys had to move along. Otherwise, in my vernacular, the Holy Ghost was coming. He was, he was preaching the truth. Is that what you're going to do? Paul and Silas was in prison and they started singing. They weren't just in prison. They had just been flogged. They had just been beaten. Chances are they were bleeding and they were in stocks and bonds which probably means they were in an uncomfortable position in the inner prison of the cell, which also means that there's raw sewage without lights. And they said, what are we going to do now? Let's sing songs. Is that what we would do? No. 
That's not what we, let me just answer for you. No, that's not what we do. We have a little problem and we start complaining. And what we say is, I'm a realist. It's dark in here and I'm bleeding. And you want me to sing? I want to complain. Can I not complain? Yes, you have the right to complain. And you also have the right to be trapped in that prison cell. Let me ask you, what are you doing in your prison cell? What are you doing at the midnight hour? What does the church do? Let me just say to everybody, everyone can find a friend and bring them to Jesus Christ. They may not come to this church, but you can introduce them to the Lord. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice for you to do that. Because mm-hmm. then you get to join the Pentecostals. Because until we act like them and do what they did, then all we have is a denomination. Right. And I'm kind of tired of denominations. They've gotten us nowhere. We've got to have apostolic authority and a Pentecostal experience. Right. <laughs> I don't want our church to be a denomination. In fact, when people ask you what kind of church you go to, they're asking you, is it Baptist, Methodist, what are you? You should say, it's a spirit-filled church. It's a spirit-led church. Mm-hmm. That's not a denomination. Right. That's a biblical concept. And, and how do we do that? We have to have a perspective of God right. and what we're here to do. Right, right. Uh, you were talking about earlier, you are talking about, you know, the things that we would receive. Well, there are promises of God. Sure. There are promises that if you give, it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men, people will give to you. If you give, people will give to you. This is the law of God. This is what Jesus said. I was, I was reading the first baron of Burgley. The first Baron of Berkeley, he served Queen Elizabeth I in the 1500s. This is what he said. He said, whatever the queen says is who the majesty is. So her words, edicts, or creeds is her in a written form. She, in fact, in so many words, the first Baron said, her words don't just Um, represent her, they are her. (laughs) Here's the word of our king. If you return your tithes and offerings, he'll open up you windows of heaven, pour out your blessings you cannot contain. Now, either that's true or it's a lie. Ask and it shall be given. Seeking you shall find. Knock, the door shall be open. Either either that, I, I think those are not just for material things, but I think they encompass everything. This is the word of our king. This is the word of our king. So whatever is written in here, you, got, you have to do it. That's the word of our king. That's who he is. He is his word. So uh, I, I go back to this and just say there is a way to change. It may not change our reality, but it can change us. We can be changed. And you've got to get this word in your life and in your home and in your car and at your job. And you have to speak out of your mouth. Not the trouble that you're going through. Everybody knows the trouble. Right. This, is the, this is the meteorologist who, I don't know what these guys do. They go outside. They look up. It's clear. They come back in. They get on the news broadcast and they say, it's clear skies. All they're telling you is what's going on. That's it. They look at the Doppler thing. It's got a big red thing coming. And all they have to say is rain is on the way. How did they know that? Because rain, they can see it 10 miles away. And you can always tell people what's happening. That is the reality. And I would just say, pardon me, that's the flesh. 
That's the carnal part. Because we know. We know. But we've got to learn to speak from a God perspective. Right. And God's perspective is not mine. And God's perspective calls things out. Even though I cannot see them with my natural eyes. We are touching things, but we're not feeling them. We're looking, but we're not seeing. There's sound, but we're not hearing. And we've got to get back to some spiritual insight. Because God is seeing things that we're not seeing. You are a mighty man of valor. You are an overcomer. You are a child of the Most High God. You are powerful. You are a witness. You are a soul winner. You You are a Bible study teacher. You can take any one of these lessons... That we teach on these Wednesday nights. Go back to Brother Scott's lesson last week. The simplicity of Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness. You need to go and listen to that a couple of times. And get that in your spirit. Get that in your spirit. If anyone says I'm not being fed at this house. I want to tell you. The reason why you're not being fed is because you refuse to eat. There is so much amazing food. We've got more knowledge than we'll ever need. We are fat on the word. Amen. It's good to be fat on the word. Praise God. Thank God. The Bible even says, and I quote, all the fat belongs to the Lord. Unquote. It's in the scripture, but the Mooney taught me that. All the fat belongs to the Lord. Because not just the meat, it is a sacrifice. Right. We just, we say all the fat belongs to God. Praise God. It's all the Lord's. You know more scripture than most of the nominational people know. Not because we're better, but because we are in this book and we're not in commentaries. Now do something like the early church did and take what you know and tell somebody about it. You got to do that. It's important. It's critical that we do it. Not just because we want to fill up buildings, but because we know that that the Lord is coming back soon. He's coming quick. And when he comes, it's going to be a quick thing. And we're we're not going to have time. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me. There's about 10 other things I wanted to do, but we don't have enough time to do that. Uh, Jeff and Robin Hudiger uh, lead a whole bunch of stuff here, not the least of which is our marriage retreat that comes up in February. And it is an amazing thing. If you're married, uh, if you're not married, you've got to get married before uh, February, if you can do that. It's worth going to the marriage retreat. Uh, but if, if you're married, you should do whatever you can to save up the money. And I think it's, is it, how much money? Is it $250? Is that what it costs? And, and that is supplemented by a bunch of other things because today to have all those meals in the hotel room and all the stuff, it costs a lot more than that. So you, you do a great job and it is, it is an amazing thing. I would just promote that. And Jeff and Robin Hudiger, um, have taught many, many, many Bible studies. I would just say to you that if you want, um, if you want a more, more words on perspective, then, then get them in a corner and just kind of tackle them and invite them over to your house. And um, it's a beautiful thing. Amen. Everyone said amen. Okay, let's stand together. Praise God. We commit all the words to you, Lord. We commit our lives. Let the things that are spoken today, let's, let it bring strength to us. Let us have the better perspective of what you have called us to be. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would guide us in our lives, Lord. Let there be joy in our spirits, not because of the season, Lord. Pray, I pray against all this idea of the seasons, Lord. 
that we would be thankful in, thanks, in, in Thanksgiving season and we'd be joyful at Christmas. Lord, let the Spirit go far beyond the human construct of what the world tells us our emotions should be. We praise you, Lord, because you are the Lord God of all. You are the heaven. You are the God of heaven and earth, and there's none like you. And we, we have joy in the Holy Ghost no matter what the day is and no matter what the season is. Amen. And all the people said amen. Thank you for watching today. If you would like to help us continue to deliver content around the world online, please consider making a donation. Head to newlifeterahote.com and choose the giving option that works best for you. Have a great day.